Hello, everybody, and welcome to August of 1991. In the news this month, heavy metal band Metallica releases their fifth album, Metallica. 750,000 attend Paul Simon's free concert in Central Park, and U.S. President George W. Bush declares the recession is near an end. Hurricane Bob makes landfall in the U.S., and in sports, Dolphins' Dan Marino surpasses Joe Montana as the highest-paid NFL player with a five-year extension for $25 million. The top songs this month, Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams, and the three top-grossing movies this month, Dead Again, Double Impact, and Doc Hollywood. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Kevin. And I'm Eric. And this is August of 1991. How are you guys feeling tonight? Feeling good. How are you feeling? I'm feeling wonderful. Vandersex. Yes. <laughs> I'm wearing my Vandersex t-shirt just to brighten the mood. I'm wearing my Peloton shirt because I haven't exercised in six months. Nice, bro. <laughs> way to All give right. in. Way to give into the fatness, like me. That's it. So what you got to do? Yo, so August of 1991. Like, did they not do summer blockbusters at this point in time? Because, like, while this month wasn't the worst three movies I've ever watched, they weren't that exciting. Far from the best. Far <laughs> from the best movies. Like, shouldn't August be like top-notch movies? When did that whole thing start? I thought that started with Jaws. It started was... already. Right. Like, so why is August suck so much in 1991? Well, we had last month T2, which is the best movie of the year. So, no, that's true. That's true. And you also think, had Point Break last month. I think T2 not only made the most money for 1991, it also made the most money in 1992. Like, of any movie. And in June, we had City Slickers, which made $124 million, and Robin Hood made $165 million, and T2 made $203 million. And, oh no, sorry, 101 Dalmatians was a re-release. But at any rate, those three together made a whole shit ton of money. So there's, yeah. your, there's your blockbuster. All right, but August, August should be better. It shouldn't have the decline to like November. Like November is when you see like movies start to be trash. Come on. <laughs> How many titles do we have this month? A lot. We got 16 titles this month. And can I just tell you, like, spoiler alert, not many of them are good. Mm. All right. Well, <laughs> who's leading it off this month? I'm leaving it up. They're leaving the duties up to you two this month. So who kicks it off? Okay. Kevin is our editor in chief of staff. So, like, he's been crazy busy editing lately. So he had to slack off a little bit on the, the, the podcasting responsibilities. You know what? I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret. So here's, here's facts. I have never to date not watched every single movie that we reviewed in its entirety from soup to nuts. Double Impact, I watched it up until almost the very end, and I saw a scene that I'll, we'll discuss when we get into the movie itself. When I saw the scene, which was in the last 15, 15 minutes of the movie, maybe 20 tops, I was like, I've fucking seen enough, and I turned the movie off. <laughs> you didn't finish it? No, I didn't finish it. I left oh, like 15 minutes on the table. You, it's a full you know, Kevin, you used to be the guy that would always finish a movie. Didn't matter I was how under much time constraint. The last like four movies I've talked to you about, you didn't finish them. I was under a time constraint this time, so that's my <laughs> excuse. All right, go ahead. Number 16, Chris. All right, so we're kicking it off. Let's do yes. this. 
Coming in at number 16 is Poison. It's a horror movie earning $609,000. Is this the one with Marky Mark? <laughs> no, this movie has no one you've ever heard of. Okay. It's directed by nobody you've ever heard of. Okay. Anyone involved in this movie has only ever done C-rate horror movies and nothing I'm, better. Yeah, but I, I know this title. I know I uh, not this title. Yeah, well, I know the title. There's like, and there's I know like the seven cover. different poisons, so you don't. It's know a common one. name. Okay. All <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> okay, so the, the only thing I'm going to tell you about this movie is I'm just going to read this description because when I read it, I was just like, "What?" So I hope I hope you have the same reaction as me. Okay. A boy shoots his father and flies out the window. <laughs> okay. I want to see it. A man falls in love with a fellow inmate in prison. A doctor accidentally ingests his experimental sex serum, wreaking havoc on the community. I'm 100% sold. I'm watching as soon as we're done. I don't with know this why, podcast. but I am too. It sounds exciting and awful at the same time. Oh my god. This this sounds like this sounds like Takashi Miike and Darren Aronofsky got together and made a movie. I think this is like almost like four rooms. You know, the the Quentin Tarantino thing. He did one of the rooms and then it's directed by yeah. four different people. It yeah. sounds like that, but a horror movie, but like a terrible version of that. It's I'm I'm on I'm on IMDB right now. It says it's a drama, horror, romance. I don't know if those three have ever been put together. Solid combo. Well, if that's not the best description of the night, I don't know what is, but I have nothing else about this movie. It might be the best I, description I'm telling of the you, <laughs> I'm telling you a thousand percent when we're done with this, I'm putting this movie on. Good luck finding it. Right. All exactly. right, Eric. Uh, coming in at number 15, Beastmaster, Through the Portal of Time. Uh, this movie grossed $773,000. The budget was $6 million. Nice. <laughs> yeah, they did very poorly. Um, this is a fantasy adventure movie. I mean, I've heard of these movies in the past, never seen a single one. Uh, no, the original Beastmaster is actually pretty cool 80s schlock. So, well, the original Beastmaster actually made close to $5 million by a different director. So he's probably like, oh, I'm going to make another sequel. Failed. Um, description Dar. The guy's name is Dar is a warrior who can talk to beasts. He is forced to travel to Earth to stop his evil brother from stealing an atomic bomb and turning their native land from desert into, well, desert. That, <laughs> yes, yes, that is the description of the movie. I don't want to know who's in this movie. <laughs> All right, and coming in at number 14, Slackers. Um, this movie grossed $1.2 The budget was only $23,000, so... Coming oh. in at 14, it actually made quite a bit of money. Actually, it grossed more money than most of the movies on the list. The director, writer, and the starring actor was Richard Lenklard. He did everything. So it's kind of like a solo act. Indie. Indie, indie film. film. Yeah. So it's a one-man show. One-man show. The movie, a day in the life of an Austin Texan as cameras roll from place to place and provide a brief look at the overeducated, the social misfits, the outcasts, and the oddballs, a comedy drama. So there's nobody in this you've ever heard of. It's nothing more to talk about, except for that it's number 14, and it actually made quite a bit of money for its budget. Okay. All right. Coming in at 13, True Identity. This is a Disney movie. I'm actually surprised with that. You'll understand why in a second. Earning $4.6 million. 
A black actor hides his identity to escape a gangster's hitman by pretending to be a white man with the help of his, of his makeup artist. Dude. <laughs> no go in 2021, uh, bro. So this is directed by uh, Charles Lane. He starred in this. He was the star of this movie, but nothing else. The, it's only interesting because he cast himself in the movie because he knew how bad he was and he didn't want Disney to fire him. <laughs> All right. So they couldn't fire him because he was in the movie. Job security. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, so this is starring uh, Lenny Henry, who does a lot of voice acting, but his most notable role was the shrunken head in Harry Potter 3. Okay. Uh, Frank Langella, who is the voice of Archer in Small Soldiers, uh, uh, and Melvin Van Peebles and James Earl Jones make appearances in this movie. Not Mario Van Peebles? There's a no, Melvin? It's, it's Melvin, and I, I'm just assuming it's his father. Okay. So I, I might be wrong about that, but I'm this assuming. Is, this is still before Disney really regained the ground on who they were. Like, they were still, I guess there were still movies in the works because they had come out with already, what, um, Little Mermaid? Little Mermaid came out in years ago, And then yeah. we're about to get Aladdin, and then that's when things really start to kick off again for Disney. Yeah, so. All right, who's up? Uh, coming in at number 11, Barton Fink. It grossed $5.7 million. The budget was $9 million. So they actually lost money. And, and this is actually a Coen's brother movie. Um, yeah, and this is, this is a quirky movie I remember seeing when I was younger. This is John Turturro, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. John Turturro is in this movie. Yeah, I remember watching this when I was younger. This is the the type of movie that I would love and my parents don't get. And I remember seeing this because they were balls deep in it because it had our last name in the title. That's what I thought when I was looking up this movie. I'm like, oh, Kevin knows this movie. He must. Well, I know this movie because it's actually a good movie and my parents didn't get it. And they watched it and they were like, oh, this is trash. And I watched it as an adult and I was like, oh, this is a great movie. This is definitely a movie I'm going to look into. It's plot. Let's see. A renowned New York playwright is enticed to California to write for the movies and discovers the hellish truth of Hollywood. The, the cast is phenomenal. I mean, you, you got John Totoro, where we know him from Brother Where Art Thou, Transformers, Ridiculous Six, Mr. Deeds. I mean, John Goodman, which you just did King Ralph, but you know from everything else. Uh, but this movie was nominated for three Oscars. It won nine awards and 30 nominations. So this movie was pretty renowned. So this is definitely something that you guys should watch. So I'm definitely going to check this one out. I'll I'll sit down with you on this one. All right. Coming in at number 12, delirious earning $4.7 million. John Candy. It is John Candy. Yes, it is. Jack Gable is a soap opera writer with little in the way of a love life and even less job security takes a knock on the head one day and wakes up in the very television show he's been writing for. He discovers that through the typewriter, he can, he can control events in his new reality. At first, Jack believes this will help him impress Laura, the actress who plays the program star. But soon he realizes that no matter how much power he has, he cannot control everything. So this is directed by Tom Mankiewicz. Uh, he directed Dragnet. And he has, a, he has writing credits on Diamonds Are Forever and Live and Let Die. Nice. Yeah. And starring, as we said, John Candy, Mariel Hemingway. She did a ton of stuff, but none of it's notable. Notable, And Emma Sams, who was actually in General Hospital for the last 30 years, still currently on the show. And it makes sense that she's in a movie about a soap opera. I wonder how many times that character has died and come back to life on General Hospital. Well, it's, we're probably on the third, like, 
we're on the quint, quint the evil quintuplet. <laughs> good, good call, bro. All right, what's up next? This. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I? yeah. So I mean, I don't know much about this movie. I love John Candy, but this doesn't really spark anything for me. So this is there's a few obscure. I wouldn't say obscure. That's not the right term, but but lesser known John Candy movies. This being one of them. We did one a couple months ago too, where we just like glossed over it. But the man is a treasure. You should watch everything he's ever done. You know what I haven't seen in forever, and every time I hear the name John Candy, I want to go back and watch it. And I've just Uncle been inundated. Buck. No, I, I've seen Uncle Buck a million times. That's not it. Who's Harry Crumb? I remember loving Who's Harry Crumb. I, yeah, kid. I haven't seen that since I was like real small. You it's haven't even heard that name years. in a million years. Yeah, that's that was a big movie. That that's one we should go back to. All right, what's up next? Coming in at number ten, Mystery Date, earning six point one million dollars. Teenage Tom McHugh is madly in love with his ravishing next door neighbor, Gina Matthews, but becomes hopelessly tongue tied whenever she's around. When his parents go away on an impromptu road trip, his suave law student brother shows up and begins coaching Tom on how to pick up women. Things are going great until Tom discovers a body in the trunk of his brother's car, and his perfect date with Gina takes multiple turns for the worse. I'm not gonna lie, I like this plot, okay. but like it's clearly like a like a teeny bop movie, so I probably wouldn't like it right now. Anybody but it's, in it? Yeah, starring Ethan Hawke. Oh, all right, I'm an Ethan Hawke fan. And the girl he's chasing after is Terry Polo. You would know her as the wife from Meet the Parents. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Brian McNamara plays his brother. He's from Arachnophobia, but I don't the wife, know who he is. the the what, what wife, the older the, wife, or no? Uh, then the Stiller's blonde. Wife. Yeah, the blonde. Oh, so the she's daughter. attractive. Uh, yeah. So, and this is twenty years before that. So, you know. Uh, oh, sorry. Then that might be uh, Cradle Rob. Might be really term? young in this movie. Yeah. I think she's probably like 16, 17 in this movie. Maybe 19, 18, like just like old enough that they can make her work all day and they don't have to send her to school. <laughs> okay. It's the 90s. They didn't uh, have well, rules like that. No, they definitely did. But oh. also I learned that's why child stars like go crazy and lose their minds. Because yeah, from, they're... from the age of 14 to the, to 18, they don't get any work. Like, the, they're like not studio... allowed to work. No, studios won't hire them because they can just get an 18-year-old to play a 14-year-old and they don't have to live by any rules. But like them all day long, yeah. Like, right, but you can't really get like anyone over 18 to play a 13-year-old. It just doesn't work, you know what I mean? Well, Hollywood di didn't care about that in the 80s and 90s because you'd see people that were high, uh, playing high school students that were like 27 years old. All right. Coming in at number nine, Defenseless. This movie grossed $6.3 million. The budget, I couldn't find it anywhere I looked. This is a mystery thriller. A lawyer is hired to defend an old college friend accused of murdering her husband. Uh, actually, the director, Martin Campbell, he uh, directed Casino Royale, Mask of Zorro, Goldeneye. So pretty well-known director. He's got some solid things under his belt. Can I say I love the Mask of Zorro? It's like one of my all-time favorite I think movies. we all do. Yeah, yeah solid movie. Um, I'm not a big Bond fan, so I can't speak anything about those. Um, well, Goldeneye and Casino Royale are two excellent Bond movies. Depends on which ones. That's it. That's it. Sounds fun. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number eight, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. 
Uh, this movie grossed $7 million. The budget, $23 million. That's that, a bit of a loss. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I've heard of this movie. No, zero about it. The plot. Forced by an eminent foreclosure of their friend's bar, two lifelong buddies will decide to rob a bank armored car, not knowing that the cargo is not money, but new street drugs. Um, nice. I mean, it might be worth more than money. Can be converted into money with the right connections. I mean, you're, you're, you're robbing an armed vehicle, an armored truck. Like, you, you're not that far off of drug dealers, so you might as well just go all the way. Also, who doesn't want to become an instant drug dealer? I like, isn't that everyone's goal? I think they were just looking for the cash, bro. <laughs> instant drug dealer, everybody's goal. Um, the director, Simon Windsor, uh, Free Willy, Quickly Down Under, which I know you guys did last year, and Operation Double. Fucking yeah. movie, bro. Oh, that why movie. would you even bring that up? Well, I think that's why this movie did so poorly. I think it's relevant. I think, they, I think. I think quickly down under is now a curse word on this podcast. Uh, this movie had Mickey Rourke, Don Johnson, Chelsea Fields. It had Daniel Baldwin, Vanessa Williams in it. And oh, it, that's fucking that's the B cast, B cast supreme, bro. <laughs> that's a brutal fucking cast. Yeah, brutal. And nominated for a Stinker Award, worst picture. So that's your number Stinker? eight. Stinker? Wait, hold on. Stinker Awards. This is new to me. There's a thing called Stinker Awards, not Razzies. Maybe even worse than a Razzie. <laughs> I I just learned so much. You know what I thought? Hold on. Do you know what I thought this movie was going to be about? There's like a documentary called The Marlboro Man, and apparently it's like the guy who was like the the poster boy for like Marlboro, like he was the cowboy, like like oh, laying right, down right. or whatever, and like he like became like this huge like lung cancer like battled life because of how much Marlboro he smoked because he was like it's not Sports funny man. but. That's what I thought the movie was going to be. How about this? Chelsea Fields' character, her name is Virginia Slim. Nice. (laughs) They really went for it in this movie. I'm pretty sure that uh, Philip Morris had their fingers in this movie. Pretty sure. Inside, both holes. (laughs) All three holes were penetrated by Philip Morris in this movie. (laughs) All right. All right. Go cut that out. That's brilliant. All right. No, that's staying in. Go. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> Coming in at number seven, Bingo. And yes, sir, that was his name. Oh, <laughs> this podcast has gone off the rails. Uh, this is a children's comedy earning $8 million. A runaway circus dog befriends a young boy who has trouble fitting in with his friends. That's it. Let's move on. Don't, Please. No. <laughs> Uh, coming in at number six, Body Parts. Now, I want you to know that there's a movie called Body Parts that came out in 1991, this movie. That's, that's a stoner film, right? Then there's another movie that came out in 1992 called Body Parts. Then there's another movie that came out in like the 2000s Yeah, Body Parts. So I don't know which one this is, but I'm just going to read you the description. <laughs> Earning $8.3 million. When Bill... Crashank loses his arm in a car accident. The arm of an executed death row inmate is grafted on its place. The only problem, as Bill soon discovers, is that the arm is possessed by a force he cannot control. It sounds like they remade that in 2000-something because that was a good one with Scott Green. That's what he just said. Well, this- it's been remade like a thousand times. The stone no, I, I said they all have the same title. I didn't say it was remade. 
Oh, well, there was this. There was that stoner movie with the kid, and his hand was Scott Green. Yeah. Okay, that's the one. Oh, that about. wait. The stoner kid got his own. No, that's isn't that? Idle oh, that was hands? called Idle Hands, yeah. but it's based. That's a. It's based on the movie, right? Okay. So anyway, I, this is obviously like some weird ass horror movie. Uh, directed by Eric Red, he's done Nada, starring Jeff Fahey. He was in Wyatt Earp. He played Ike. Uh, Lindsay Duncan, who's done lots of TV and small roles. Kim Delaney is on Nine Years of NYPD Blue. Uh, not really anything interesting except the ads for this movie. Wisconsin would not allow them to run because of the uh, the Dahmer, Dahmer killings that took place oh, that's around weird. the same time. So that's pretty interesting. But other than that, nothing. Okay. <laughs> this this month is literally just nothing. Pretty, pretty bad. All right. So this is coming in at number five. Child's Play 3 grossed $14 million. The budget, $13 million. So it only made a million we're in the bucks. Black. Yeah. We're in the, we're in the black. I remember uh, this one. This one. This one. This is the one where he goes. The little kid goes away to uh, military school, yeah. and the kid Dudley is befriends him, and that's all I remember. And I remember thoroughly liking this this particular child's play when I was like really into horror movies. Haven't seen it in years. So I don't want to talk too much about this movie because child's play still freaks me out. Does it? I was never <laughs> was my, into these movies. When I was a kid, this was I think I talked about this when we did Child's Play too. And mm. it's just Child's like not, my, not for you. The my buddy doll looked too much like Chucky. And I think that I was the point. Was die. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the point. Too. That was the point. Uh the plot of this movie. Chucky returns for revenge against Andy, the young boy who defeated him, who is now a teenager living in a military academy. The actors in this movie are of no note except for uh, Perrette Reeves. She plays Sylvia. She's Marissa from Old School. So we all nice. love oh, Marissa from Old School. You're the lady, Marissa. You're the lady. You're the lady. And that is all about this movie. We're going streaking. Who? <laughs> <laughs> There's more coming. Quad to the gymnasium. It's a little cold out there, huh, Frank? I wish that was in 1999. That had to be 2001, didn't it? Oh, it probably yeah, it even further. All right, last one. All right, coming in at number four, Pure Luck, earning $22.6 million. When Valerie Highsmith goes missing in Mexico, it isn't too surprising, as she is generally acknowledged as having the worst luck in the world. What is surprising is that veteran investigator Raymond Campanella can't find her. Then, an executive at, at Valerie's father's company has the idea to send Proctor from accounting along with Raymond. Proctor, it turns out, also possesses terrible luck and is sure to tumble into the same mess Valerie did. Like, this is a very convoluted description. It's Where do you get... Let me ask you this. I know for a fact that's not an IMDb description. Where do you get your descriptions from? That is from Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is maybe the worst website for any source of any information. I they they've shit on the worst the best movies and have praised the worst movies. That's fine. I, I was just looking. I was just looking for a description, and IMDb's was like one line long and gave you nothing. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't care about your your description. Or I'm just making the point that Rotten Tomatoes is for shit as far as like. Well, because- Let's be honest, right? Why are we doing this podcast? Because people who review movies, who like no movies, suck at reviewing movies. 
Yeah, but I have like I have like a conspiracy theory against Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like they have an agenda of some sort. Illuminati. It's leftist. (laughs) The Illuminati (laughs) of uh, video critics. All right. So this is starring Martin Short and Danny Glover, and Sheila Kelly, who was in the new Turner and Hooch series. Um, but Martin Short and Danny Glover, as much as I don't hate either of them, they're also the reason I wouldn't want to watch this movie, if yeah. that makes sense. Yes, yeah, no, does. I'm a, a, th- a thousand percent on board with what you just said. All right, so we're into number three, finally. Just uh, I felt like that took forever. So That did take forever. Coming in at number three, grossing $29 million, double impact. Jean-Claude Van Damme. He always makes an impact. Now, get ready for Double Impact. There's two of them. Think about it. Van Damme times two. He looks exactly like you. Me? Twin brothers reunited on a mission. Watch my back. To avenge their parents' death. One packs a punch. One packs a piece. Look good to me. Together, they deliver. Double impact. Excuse me. From Hollywood to the Far East. On land. On sea. What I love about you. Van Damme. Ah! Times two. Ah! Double the fun. I would never in my life wear black silk underwear. I'm with you on that one. And double <laughs> the bad damage. Double impact. All right, gentlemen. I may have not been involved in the, the countdown, but I am deep with things to say and opinions on these three movies, starting with the disaster that is Double Impact. You I call w- it a disaster. I call it the room of the 1990s. Totally classic, early 90s Van Damme, bro. I need to know who is more self-absorbed and, and narcissistic. I, I, it's a real showdown between Seagal and Van Damme. I was, was going right to say, now. Seagal's bro, right up there, bro. Every shot in this movie... Every single shot is just a way to show off Van Damme's body in one way or another. It is What's absurd. the problem? This is sexy in the early 90s. Did people find him attractive? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. You, you want to know something? I'm watching this movie. My wife walks down and she goes, oh, who's that guy? No way. Well, good <laughs> like, for Van Damme. <laughs> <laughs> no, but only, only when he was playing... Uh, Alex. Alex or Chad? Not when he was playing Chad. She didn't oh, like so it she, Chad. Oh, so she enjoyed the pushed-up sleeves on his leather jacket? The, the cigar that was always in his mouth? Oh, cigar or or uh, toothpick? Something had to be in his mouth. Right. How he showed he was the bad side. How he showed that he was a bad guy was that that he had the slick back hair. That, yes, and he wore, and he wore, he wore dark colors. The other All guy right. had the puffy hair and the bright he, colors. He so let's just talk about... 
let's let's. I don't lay even the need to talk about here. the plot. Like no, we, I don't even need a plot. We have to lay the groundwork here, okay? Lay it down. So, I'm gonna just lay down the synopsis that I found online. Nearly 25 years after seeing his father killed by Hong Kong crime boss Raymond Zhang, Chad Wagner is now living in Los Angeles as a flourishing yet peaceful martial arts trainer. But Chad is a twin brother, Alex, who suddenly reunites with his less aggressive sibling and wants to avenge their father's death. As the pair plan their payback against Zhang, they also struggle to overcome their personal differences. Now, this makes it sound like it might be a decent movie. And but it's they don't, not. They don't want to, to go back and fight Zhang or whatever his name is. The guy, Frank, is like basically forcing them to go yes. do it. Yes. Held the grudge for them the entire time. Like they would have even never known about this grudge. I have so many questions about this, this movie. The, no. the idea that he could, that someone allowed him to play two parts in one movie. Well, I think that's the whole point of this movie is that they said, wow, Van Damme's such a great actor that we should have him play the two parts no. in the same movie. No, he definitely financed this movie himself. I, I 100% believe this is financed, produced by John Claude Van Damme and no one else. Yeah, but see that it must he they must have been right in some sense because it's number three for the month. So like, you know, it's just it's 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 that it didn't age well. Like like Bloodsport's only two and, years. Bloodsport's only two years old at this point, right? So like that's why. So it's kickboxer Lionheart. He he's riding high. Lionheart's a piece of dog shit, bro. <laughs> That movie's horrific. I owned it. Yeah, I would watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I owned it. All right, give movie. me the roles. Give me the roles, Chris. Did you write them down? Yeah, of course I did. All Go right. Ahead. So Jean-Claude Van Damme plays Alex and also his twin brother, Chad. I love that fact. <laughs> Jeffrey Lewis plays Frank. Now, he's from The Devil's Rejects, and he's also from Maverick. I have no idea what role he was in there, but his name was there. He, it was on his known for. Yeah, I remember him being in it. I got to figure that out. Go ahead. Uh, Alana Shaw plays Danielle. No, she does nothing. Philip Chan plays Zhang. Wait, wait, is is that is that uh, Alex's girlfriend? The yeah, blonde? yes. Okay. Alana Shaw plays Danielle. I couldn't find the name of the other one. I wasn't sure who she was. All right. So Philip Chan plays Zhang. He's done a, like a bazillion kung fu movies. Is that the big jacked Asian dude? No, no that's Bolo Young. That's, that's Bolo yeah. Young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and also he was in the movie because John Claude John Claude Van Damme like required him to be in the movie. Like he was like nobody else. Dude, he's like the it. most famous actor in Asia at the time. He's just in every movie. His IMBD blows away so many IMD. IMDb. It's also probably because he's the most gigantic human being. His neck is just insanely large. Yes, it's also IMDb, sir. If, just for name name us. <laughs> Eric, you have to say the, all the words now. You have to say Internet Movie Database from now on. <laughs> I had no idea what it stood for. Who's it directed by? So this is directed by Sheldon Lenich. Uh He's directed Lionheart and oh Rainbow 2. <laughs> I will, Ram Rainbow 2 is serviceable. Lionheart, please. He, he also Rainbow wrote is. Bloodsport. Yeah, yeah, no, we went into that with Lionheart because oh, he's got right. some sort of he's got some real history with Van Damme where they do a whole ton of stuff together. Yeah. So, well, the fact that he played he wrote Bloodsport explains the whole running over the boat scene, which is the exact same scene. They recycle everything. Yeah, everything. They recycle everything. These two. They don't have an original idea between them. They made one movie, right? They had one original yeah. idea for a movie, and they 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 just recycled it for fucking twenty years. Bro, when they're running across the boats, though, I'm just like, 
Wait, wait, am I about to see uh, Larry Fishburne running right behind him? Would oh, I Fishburne. really? Would not Larry Fishburne. Who was the? Uh, was it Larry Fishburne? No. No, it was, it was uh, not FBI guys. Forrest Whitaker. It was Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. That's yeah. Or Bloodsport. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I just like I. I don't understand like. I, what I really want to know, I, I really, um, after this podcast in my downtime, I'm going to do some research on whoever choreographs this guy's movies because the choreography is absurd. Like the bad guys just stand there waiting to get punched or kicked in the face. And, and they come one at a time. And the editing, always come between, one at a time. Between the choreography and the editing, it's just like. Yo, and then the way they try to explain things, like. The fact oh, that so it's Jean Claude Van Damme, so he's got a French accent. So they explain right. why Chad doesn't, why Chad has a French accent. Right. They're like, oh, it's because we, I took you to France. Okay. And I raised the, you there. I raised I, you there. It was the worst way explanation you ever. You forgot, but I raised you there. But the brother Alex, he's not supposed to have a French accent, but he does. And they don't explain it away. No, they don't explain it away. And then does Frank know Alex? They never explain that either. Right. You're right. Yeah, they, like they've never just, have they met each other before. We can't tell. He just shows up and is like, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> all right. This is the what I need to discuss. Please, just allow me a little leeway here. The first introduction to Van Dam, like it's there's no it's there's no other way to describe the scene other than it's insane. A madman wrote this scene. <laughs> <laughs> you got the the chick with the best body, the tightest singlet, like is borderline softcore porn. What they're showing, right? With like she's got giant boobs and this little tiny thing covering her her vagina, and then they, he bends her over and her butt showing. And she's wearing a thong, and then so we go from that to well, and Van Dam. By the way, <laughs> Van Dam's in, Van Dam's also in a singlet with spandex tights on. And he's there's like almost zoomed in on his junk and then his his butt with the the wedgie with the 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 spandex pants that he's wearing and he's doing high kicks to a group of women and then he's doing the splits and he's flexing his hold butt on, cheeks. Hold on. Like it's a <laughs> it's on, a it's stop, a maniacal stop. scene. It's out of control. He didn't just do a split. He pumped. He, he prefaced it by saying because of my big legs and my karate, I could do splits, no problem. Yeah, no, that's maybe the best quote of the whole movie. You have to understand, this is standard Van Damme movies. A Van Damme movie cannot exist without him doing the splits, having a close-up to his butt, whether it's nude or covered in spandex. I mean, this, it, it's that's, standard Van Damme movie. You can't see a that's single fine. one. But since when do big legs and karate equal it I made, can do it splits? It made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> it was just an excuse for him to do splits and hump the ground in front of these women. And they're oh, all sitting there like in awe. Ooh, they oh. are in awe. They're drooling. It was a great opening scene. Something else that's not explained that I need to, dis to discuss quickly. So Van Dan comes into Frank's office in this opening sequence. And Frank proceeds to tell him that he's not actually his uncle. And then he says that you have a twin brother and we need to go to see him in wherever he is, Japan, China. I don't know Hong where Kong. they're going. It doesn't make any difference. Thank you. And, and and then Van Damme's like not even phased by the information he's just been given. And then he's Frank says to Van Damme, have I ever given you a reason not to trust me? I don't know, Frank. What about the past 20 years of lying to me saying that you're my uncle when you're not? And I have a twin brother you never told me about. <laughs> 
it would leave leave a little room for just you know questioning every, yeah, everything everything besides that everything besides that you can trust me <laughs> yeah. yeah i've only been lying to you for 20 years is there any other reason i've ever given you not to trust me oh All my right. god what else do you guys want to bring up because this you know what though i do have to give him credit chad and alex felt like two different people like he actually you know that's a fair point you know he he actually made it feel like it was two different people so like he did a pretty good job i didn't think early 90s cinematography they did a pretty good job filming it certain points on certain certain points it looked good and certain points it was like well this is that's not him edited in but Chris, you make a good point. Like I didn't even consider that fact because I was too busy shitting on the movie. He actually did do a decent job <laughs> of making you. But just it was the aesthetics that made it laugh. That's what I was saying. It was, but it was even that it was. It was more about the way he looked that made it two different right. people Aesthetic. than the way he was acting. Yeah, like you said, it made it laughable though. But like, no, what? Why you think that the way he looked made it more like more so that he was two like, different people? Yes, because I don't know why I didn't think they looked alike. <laughs> Like, well, no, I well, I, I, think I, couldn't see the the, I couldn't in, see the resemblance. In re- <laughs> what the fuck? In retrospect, the, the like, like the first one, you know, he was at um, what's his name? Alec, uh, Chad, Chad, sorry, Chad, uh, Chad acted real soft, and you know where Alec, w- Alex was the tough guy or whatever. But the, I think that he did do a decent job at having you know two different personalities. Yes, that that's a. I agree. That's why I said it. But like, every the actual delivery of the lines was atrocious. Like, <laughs> he's a terrible actor. Yeah, terrible. But let me ask you this: Did either one of you, while watching this movie at all, get sucked into it at all? No, yes, I was bored out of I my did. mind. I see. No, I, I did. I got sucked in. There was, was a couple like... points during the movie where I was watching this movie and I totally forgot I was doing research and I got sucked into the early 90s van damness of the movie and then all of a sudden a ridiculous scene would pop up i go oh oh yeah (laughs) i i i found myself bored in the middle of this movie there was a solid 20 minutes that could have been taken out yeah well there were a lot of things throughout this entire movie that just made no sense to put them in the movie so my biggest flaw that i saw in this movie the thing that really stood out to me so when they're bringing the the shit that not the champagne the uh Oh, what the hell? Cognac. Cognac. The cognac. Yes, absolutely. The, the cognac boxes into the, into the club. And we know that it's explosive devices, right? Yeah. So the first Van Damme walks in and he sees Alex, not Alex. He sees Frank sitting on the, the chair with some like stripper or whatever. And he nods at him. And then Frank just shows him the detonator. And I'm like, well, why did Frank need to show him the detonator? He knows Frank. He knows. He knows Frank has the detonator. Like, <laughs> That whole you scene was actually awful. Club. It made like, no bro, sense. R- remember why we're here. <laughs> you you this... forgot why you're carrying those explosives on your shoulder. The second thing about that is why do they need both Van Dams to come in each with a box of cognac that they're trying to bring to the same place? And one's got a huge bruise on his eye. Like there's totally <laughs> different people. <laughs> the more Van Dam, the better. Well, the damn. Oh man! Du- double the damn! Did anybody catch the tagline on this yes, movie? Because- I wrote the tagline down. I gotta start looking at the tagline. The taglines is it, is are it, phenomenal. One packs it, a punch. One packs a piece. Together they deliver. 
speaking of peace, what about all the dick grabbing in this movie? How many times did somebody grab his junk that was a woman? I saw twice. I want to make sure it's there. I saw at least twice. They didn't notice the dick grabbing, bro. Wasn't looking for it. Okay, well, when when, uh, Chad walks into the bar where Alex is, you know, like that's his place or whatever, and the the blonde girl, um, Alex's girlfriend, drags Chad into the back room, and the first thing she does is unbuckle his pants and grab his junk, and she's like, do you have another surprise for me? He's like, oh, yeah, another surprise, big surprise. It was big surprise. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. Because... Because we have to know the like everybody has to be told that Van Damme has a big dick, right? And then this this is so now that we're here in the movie, I'm gonna tell you the point at the in the movie when I turn this off. So he fights the jacked woman at the end, right? And the scene where she she grabs his junk in like a karate fighting move or whatever and holds on to it for like a solid five seconds, like you could count the beat. It was like way too long. And then, like, he was, like, squirming around or whatever, but there was a close-up of her grabbing onto his junk. And then, like, he realized all he had to do was punch her in the face, and then she would let go. I was like, all right, I've fucking seen enough of this movie. I'm out. Like, that's it. I'm done. There's there's nothing else this movie could do to me that hasn't been done already. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't even realize that happened. <laughs> well, I was offended by it, so. Clearly. clearly. I guess Kevin's the PC one on this nerve. podcast now. No, not PC. It's just, it's out of control. Like Too much, too much. I, you know what ruined it? You know what probably prompted me to be so upset by it was the, the Seagal movie that we saw with, what's her name from Weird Science? Oh, Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, where yeah, like that... she was, she had like a five minute dissertation on the size of Seagal's penis in the movie. And I was just like, what is going on here? Right, like, the, what world are we in? The whole scene where he's unconscious and she just keeps like referring to his, his, his junk. And then she says yeah, something about, she said she... that she, he has a lot to live for because of the size of his penis. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> please, right. sir, you, you must go on living. You have the largest Johnson I've ever witnessed. And then they make like, the pussy joke where she drops a cat on his chest. <laughs> we don't need to go back to that movie, no. <laughs> this is insane, bro. I'm in like an alternate universe right now. Hold on. It's a go, metaphor for both their careers. It's 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 let's, it's a let's euphemism. Hit some topics, for... please. Well, hold on, hold on. I just have to say one more thing. We we'll go back to double impact for just for a second. I just want to say just one more thing. Oh, Did you don't want to do the Seagal movie again? No, I'm done with Seagal. <laughs> double impact. So. Remember the scene where Alex thinks that his girlfriend like had sex with Chad, and then he, he's fucking pounding liquor and just making this whole scenario up in his head. And it's the most ridiculous up. scene ever. It, bro, he's having a full blown panic attack, that imagining his his twin brother sleeping with his current girlfriend. But that's the sex scene of the movie, though. The sex scene in this movie is imaginary. <laughs> There's a lot of titty. And by the way, I don't know if this is okay to say, but she has the most enormous fake boobs I've ever seen in my life. And like, you have no idea until she's naked. Early 90s plastic surgery, baby. (laughs) But anyway, so so he finally gets like confronts him. He fights his brother. Then she gets in the way. What does he do? He punches her in the face like hard, right? The next time he sees her is not until the very end of the movie. When Chad hands her back to Alex and she immediately embraces him like he's this loving, 
person who she's missed his, her whole life. And I'm just like, this makes no sense. The last time you saw him, he punched you square in the face. You're drunk, bro. It's okay in the 90s. <laughs> because because Van Damme doesn't understand that, like, you might Emotions? not be a person. Con- continuity. Yeah, no, no. You know, not continuity. It's the fact that he doesn't understand that he it's possible for him to be to not be so loved that you could punch a woman in her face and the next time she sees you, it wouldn't be anything but her thanking God that you're back in her presence. Like that's the that's outside the realm of possibility. Because he can do the splits. <laughs> no, that's because of his giant legs and his karate. Karate in my karate. All right, let's hit some 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 uh categories. Chris, best role. That's in the best roles, Alex. What's best your worst role? Chad. <laughs> I, I wait. I was going to ask Eric next, but in light of your comments, my best role is Chad and my worst role is Alex. <laughs> um, my, my best role is Chad and my worst role is Alex. <laughs> I was convinced I was so original in my opinion. <laughs> so was I. The same idea. Me too. Me too. All right. All right. I, I thought Chad was just basic Van Damme. That was like him being him. That's why I hated it. That's why Alex. <laughs> Alex, Alex he didn't know how depth. to be a bad guy. He's like, if I just suck on this cigar, and slick my hair back, I'm the bad guy, and I talk a little gritty. <laughs> But the whole, uh, you know, the whole point of always having something in his mouth was just to try and hide his French accent, right? <laughs> and it did not work. All right, what's your best scene, Eric? Best scene when they blow up the drug lab on the docks. Uh, it's a pretty action-packed scene. Um, a lot of guns, a lot of explosions, and uh, I happened to notice there was a typical quote-unquote cop roll that I call when the guy does the rolls on the ground with both guns. Uh, he, he's invincible. When a guy rolls on the ground in the 90s <laughs> and has two guns and he's shooting, you cannot hit him in the cop roll. But um, I actually got, that was one of the roles, the, the scenes that I sucked into and kind of forgot I was watching an atrocity of a movie. <laughs> hey, Chris, best scene? So my best scene, just because I had to pick one, because <laughs> there's nothing good in this movie, but my best scene was the brother-on-brother fight, only because I was so impressed by the levels of which Van Damme will go to, to prove to the world that the only person that can kick his ass is himself. Oh, <laughs> uh, well said. That That's a wonderful analysis. <laughs> my best scene is the, the Van Damme Chad intro. So not only the chat intro from the the splits and the, when he's rubbing down the girl to then kicking the guy in the face in the karate class that's next door to the dance class that they're in. And then, no go, and then going into Frank's office and learning with no emotion that he's been lied to for the past 20 years. <laughs> that he's a twin and that his family are millionaires, but he, they took they stole his money. <laughs> And the and the man that he believes to be his uncle is not actually his uncle. That's your best <laughs> but, scene. Yeah, my best scene. <laughs> it's because he found it the most entertaining. Yeah, I was I was thoroughly entertained by the insanity that I was watching. All right, Eric, worst scene. The drunken sex scene was just yeah, it was just facts. insane. It was insane. It, yeah. it was. I think that's not, all of our worst. It, it wasn't even happening in real life. He was hammered, slamming whatever he was slamming whiskey. And just imagining his brother Johnny Walker, I believe. Yeah, that was bad. Um, I also had the fight scene in the dark. 
I with the guy with the Spurs. It was so dark. You saw was nothing. Was that the girl in the Spurs? Or the no, guy? no. It was the guy. Was the, the guy. The guy. They only showed it a couple times. He had Spurs on for some god reason in the 90s. I have this in my notes. I wrote, I was like, why does this guy wearing Spurs in the dark? There's no horse. In the, in the role in the movie, he's described as guy in Spurs. That's his role. But And his only fight scene is in the dark. Yeah, possibly the worst place to wear spurs is a fight in the dark. Okay, can you hear him coming? <laughs> I can hear you coming. That scene was so bad because it was just dark. You just saw a leg kick out of nowhere, leg kick out. It was that was poorly filmed. Um, and I also note the the file room frisk scene where the yes. girl frisks her, oh and it was God. very oh, awkward, God. sexual, rapey, and she wouldn't talk about it. Was, it was just so Listen. out of place. That was the most uncomfortable you could make two women have a sexual encounter. Right. So it, I guess maybe it was supposed to take the misogyny out of like which which was sexual assault from one woman to another, but you take the man out of it. So it was supposed to, I guess, maybe make it a little bit more lighthearted. But I was thoroughly uncomfortable. So was I it. would venture to say that Van, that was Van Damme's idea, and he thought it would be hot. What that sounds like that, that sounds. It sounds like you are you're a thousand percent right. <laughs> and he, he 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 could have been more. Off he was the a cameraman in that scene. <laughs> Van Damme's gonna be knocking at one of our doors soon, looking to fight us. I'll be ready. Wait, he's like eighty. Oh my God, I just had a <laughs> all you have to do is all you have to do is move, and he won't be able to hit you because he's so used to his target standing still or or stepping into his kicks. Can I? I yeah. What's your worst scene, Chris? Well, hold on. I just want to add on to that for a second. Can I tell you, it wasn't until she made that phone call to Alex that I realized that she wasn't working undercover for the brothers. Because I thought the whole time she was working there <laughs> undercover. And she only, worked, like, only she found out, like, she thought he was a good guy. Like, yeah, she, she worked was, for the bad guy. And she was but like she was, like, defending him the whole time. Yeah, I she was upset that, that they, were, they were going after him. <laughs> anyway, so which, confused. Well, yeah, this movie has no makes no sense of itself. What's your no. worst scene? My worst scene was this was the dream sex scene because it just it was awful. All right, facts. I, I already right, so, made the points that need to be made. So, all right, so I w I was gonna cop out, right? I wrote early on my best scene and my worst scene. My worst scene I originally wrote every other scene aside from the the Van Dam Chad intro scene. Then realizing that I copped out, I then wrote the choreography. Every fight choreography was horrific. Uh, which is consistent. It's a through line through every Van Damme movie. And then I wrote the dick grab fighting scene with the jacked woman at the end. <laughs> I, I made me <laughs> it made me turn the movie off. Like, I, I couldn't continue with... Like, at that point, I was like, this is too much of the same. Like, you haven't had any new ideas, and there's no reason for me to continue watching. You half-ass tell me whatever story is going on. So, I had the bail. Plus, I was, it was, it was literally, it was like 8.55 and we were doing this at nine o'clock. So I figured <laughs> I wasn't missing anything. All right. Quotes. I'll go first. All right. Chris, Chris stole one of mine, which was Van Damme saying, because of my legs and karate, I can do the splits. No problem. So That's bad. my only quote. The only one I have. Oh, I have. For some reason, I wrote down. I don't have a brother exclamation point, but it must have been in the delivery because I have no idea why it's funny now. <laughs> All, right. All right. We're done with this movie. Yeah. Moving on. 
Coming in at number two, Dead Again, grossing $38 million. I loved my wife forever. Of course, forever. All right. You still killed her, didn't you? A crime from the past has obsessed her. That was Roman Strauss. That was his wife, Margaret. He stabbed her in the throat with a lovely pair of barber scissors. For whatever reason, these events are consuming her. A stranger... Ah, uh, my church... ...has found her. Why are you helping me? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I feel sorry for you. Maybe I like you. How far back are you? 1948. Hypnosis can take us back to our past lives. You expect me just to run with that? There's a lot more people on this planet who believe in past lives than don't. What do you see? Mr. Strauss? Mike, someone wants to kill me. Those are just dreams. They're not real. The more she trusts him, it's okay. The more she fears him. This is exactly what happened with Roman and Margaret. I'm not Roman. She had a pair of scissors. To be the man who ended her life. Roman? More than 40 years ago. He was gonna kill me. You saw Mr. Church in the past. I'm not Roman! You were in the house. Margaret! You take this! No! You put it under your pillow, I come near you, you blow my head off, right? I would never hurt you. How am I supposed to keep him away? I mean, he really wants to see me. You burn somebody in one life, they get a chance to burn you back in this one. It's a karmic credit plan. Buy now, pay forever. Maybe Roman Strauss didn't kill his wife. What exactly is it between you and Mr. Baker? I could be a good friend, Margaret. If fate works at all, it works because people think that this time... Stop it! it isn't going to happen. The love and death of Roman and Margaret Strauss has begun all over again. This is all far from over. Dead again. All right. Chris. I'm torn. I'm torn. Eric. Torn. Eric. I love this movie. This movie is a heaping, huge Jurassic Park size pile of steaming shit. This movie was torture to watch. I was I I was at every single moment, every turn tortured by having this movie on my screen. I can't wait to tell you why I hate this movie because I have so many valid points on why this movie is horrific. I I just can't wait to tell He's you. He's fired all of up, bro. He's fired so, up. There are parts of this movie I liked. No. Uh, you shush. You shush. 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 <laughs> there are parts of this movie I liked. I can understand where you're coming from. My biggest issue with this movie is that there's no reason to make it a flashback. Like, like there's just no reason for the for the for the science fiction end of this movie where they're reincarnated versions of these people. It's just it's the whole point of the movie. Without and that, the, there's no point. Right. No, just make it a, 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 a murder mystery. Stop, stop. We have to stop because we have to go and we have to hit the roles and the plot so people understand what it is that we're talking about. So who wants to take the lead? I have I have it all. So when a mute woman suffering from amnesia arrives at the gates of an old orphanage, private investigator Mike Church is asked to find out who she is. With the help of the hypnotist, the woman regains her voice and recalls vivid past memories of a couple in the 1940s torn apart by murder. Church 
begins to develop feelings for the woman who he calls Grace and then discovers he has a connection to the tragic couple from the 1940s. So this movie is directed by Kevin Branagh. Branagh? I don't know how to say that name. But uh, he's a Shakespearean actor. He also starred in this movie. Uh, he also directed Thor, which, yeah, like, kind which of is the mind. worst of all of them. No, Thor is better than Thor the Dark yeah, World. Thor is great. I like Thor. <laughs> so it's the uh, number two worst movie in the entire Marvel cinema history. No, because you don't. You forgot about Iron Man 3. So you don't know your trick. Yeah, stay out of it. Thor's good. <laughs> Uh, he also played Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter 2. Which is why I might have loved him the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, he starred in this movie. He played Roman Strauss. He also played Mike White, the PI. Uh, Emma Thompson was in this movie. And by the way, I thought she was she was fine throughout the movie. I, th- I actually thought she was the only competent actor in this movie. I thought she was underutilized. Yeah, okay. I can get on board. They didn't that. let her speak for half of the godforsaken movie. This is movie. true. But she did she did good with the uh the, the physical acting and the and all that. I mean, and she looked she fine in flashbacks too. Fine. In my opinion, you're reaching for a reason to like her. Okay. Uh she played Margaret Strauss and Grace. Uh she's also in the Harry Potter movies. She plays Professor Trelawney, in case you didn't know. Nice. Uh and then there was Andy Garcia, who was by far the worst part of this whole movie. He played Gray Baker, and he sucks. And then you have Wayne Knight, who played Pete, and Robin Williams, who played Dr. Cozy Carlisle. Robin Williams had three scenes. He might have been on screen for a total of a minute and a half in this movie, and it was the only time that I paid attention. I watched this movie start to finish, and I couldn't care any less about whatever was going on in this piece of shit convoluted erratic whatever other adjective you want to throw in there about how this movie was incoherent this is the worst possible version of a film noir this is the most incompetent directing with shit casting and terrible acting all smushed together in a big huge heaping pile of nonsense Go, keep going. What else you got? Let me start incoherent. Let me ask you a question. It follows it follows a path that you can see what's happening. Like it's not in you have to piece it together yourself. I easily they put it all together at the end. It wasn't hard to follow this movie, so stop. Yeah. The the whole point of what they what they wanted to do was that karma, right? The reason why they had Robin Williams be a psychologist and then got fired and now he's working in the stupid grocery store or whatever is because he had to be the exposition to explain what karma was and how they got from past life to present life. A you had Robin Williams in the movie. You should have spent all of your budget on Robin Williams because he was the only thing that saved this movie, right? So whatever dollars you paid Emma Thompson and this jerk-off, Cav Navarre, whatever his name is, should have given it, given it all to Robin Williams. What did the, the reincarnation and the karma have to do with this movie? It made no sense. The little kid, Frankie, Frankie from the 40s, is the little kid who got jealous and killed... Uh, Emma Thompson's character Grace because she, no no she he killed Margaret you know, killed Margaret all right, all right. sorry Emma Thompson's character this is how stupid this movie is he killed Emma Thompson's character Margaret Strauss because he was jealous and she was interfering with the home life that they all came over for this is like I feel like an they idiot fled, having to explain they fled this plot like Nazi Germany and they had a tie and that's why he couldn't let go of them I I totally let disagree me ask you with a question. you I thought this movie let was me, good. Let me ask you a question. What did him fleeing Nazi Germany have to do with this movie? 
because he was saved by the housekeeper and her son. They they kept him alive. They fed him while they came to America. He owed them everything. That's why he didn't fire them through all this stuff going it, on. It also it also creates the the suspicion. It puts the suspicion on him because his wife, who they were traveling across Germany with, passed away during that <clears throat> during that that trek across Germany. And then the that news reporter tells. Margaret that he killed his wife and that's why he's so rich because he got all his money from his ex his 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 uh not ex-wife his late wife's family so like it creates all the suspicion on it and she fell and his housekeeper fell in love with him because they were through all this tribe together and that's why the son kills the woman because she his mother was in love with him and he couldn't deal with his mom being unhappy he got rejected so he kills her the catalyst the for the entire for the murder. The catalyst for the entire movie is the mother and this kid Frankie, right? Frankie's mother and Frankie. They're the catalyst for the entire movie. How much are they on screen? If you totaled it up, it might be four Maybe. minutes. Well, it's not true because right. if Frankie He's as an adult is on screen all the time, you don't know who he is. That's the twist at the end. That's where it all comes together. I That's am- why it was a decent movie because at the end when they're having the interview with Andy Garcia and all of a sudden all these past, present things start coming together, you go, holy crap, this old dude hypnotist is Frankie and he's setting them up the whole time. Everything comes together in that one moment. You go, it's kind of like a... um you know unusual suspects moment where all those things come together every character you've talked yeah. to comes together Frankie and you go, is kaiser so exactly okay, bro. bro and at that <laughs> moment I, that is my favorite scene in the movie too everything comes together and you're just like holy crap i i, I disagree with you 100 percent, bro you, you I, just I hated on a movie that was actually filmed brilliantly it had amazing film it was like a hitchcock movie with a little bit of dick tracy with the black and white and the shadows here's what here's where i'm going to argue with you a little bit eric all right so i think kevin's being a little too harsh on the movie like he's saying this is the steaming pile of dog shit i i don't believe that i believe they tried to be very artsy with this movie and when you that opening scene i thought they hit a mark and then they never went back to it i thought that opening scene had like a really good feel to it the black and white real, in the shadows yeah, the, yeah when they were in the jail cell and they were cutting his That's hair film had, noir right but that was all good the rhythmic cutting of the hair the 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 smoking of the cigarette hold on i have this written down so i can at least like the opening scene like the black and white the ominous tone the the, the news clippings all on the wall uh, Strauss's unwavering calmness, even though he's supposedly guilty of murdering his wife, the shadows, the way he's in and out of the shadows, the guard cutting his hair rhythmically. Uh, it was just all so good. And the only thing that fucked up that whole scene was Andy Garcia being like terrible, but mm-hmm. even that wasn't enough to totally ruin it. Um, but then Strauss walking away singing after he stole the scissors and then Garcia running after him at the last second and Strauss screaming, and these are for you. Like <laughs> I was actually... Like I, when I thought that was a dream at first, I was like pissed that it was like supposedly a dream. Yeah, let but, me ask you a question. Hold on. I want to ask you a question then. There's no supernatural aspect to this movie. How did Strauss know he was going to be reincarnated? How did he know to say this isn't over? There's in, in no way, shape or form do they allude to any supernatural in this movie at all. Strauss didn't know that there was going to be karma. Strauss said this isn't over, right? To Andy Garcia, that's what he whispered. This is far from over, whatever the exact quote he was. He probably knew the truth was going to come out. 
he said this is far from over. Did he not, Eric? Yeah, in I the, remember in that jail that. scene. Right. Yes. So how did he know he was going to be reincarnated? That was nowhere in. They never knew any about any supernatural a- aspect of of this world until it was explained it afterwards. Or maybe he was just talking about the fact that he was about to steal the scissors and try and kill this person. He didn't yeah. do that. That was a dream. That never it happened. It was not a dream. No, that wasn't. That a dream. wasn't a dream. No, no. It tra- was just. It was her seeing into her past life because remember, she's the reincarnated version of Strauss. No, she she's was the- already dead. She couldn't have physically been there. You don't understand the movie. No, she's the reincarnated version of Strauss. She is not Margaret. She is that she I is, get. Yeah, yeah. So but, she's seeing what was in her past life. But the two of them were were in the jail scene. In the this is so. See, you can't even make heads or tails of this. No, fucking you're, movie. you're 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 you're. I'm not getting it wrong. Facts. The two of them were in the scene, in the jail scene, in the opening sequence. Right? They were both there. One of them, whichever one it was, was dead. They couldn't have both physically been there in the past because one was dead and the other was going to the chair for that one's murder. Oh, is that who he was supposedly stabbed at at the jail cell? Yeah, it was her. It was the girl, Margaret, which was the guy, which was the girl, which was stupid. Uh, no, see, Margaret you, in I, the jail cell? He, yes, what? there is. No, I need to go look at this. No, no. To, he he never killed Margaret. It was the kid that killed no, 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 Margaret. No. It was just an allusion no, 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 to the scissors he stole again. You're confused now. He's saying that in the jail cell, when, she's, when he steals the scissors, right. and then like, goes and like this is for you and he goes to stab someone that that's margaret that's standing there no which it's can't not be margaret. true i don't think it's supposed who to would, be margaret who would it no be? I, th- I think kevin's right here hold on i need to go i think this he was HBO trying Mac. to kill the the guard guy or something he was trying to huh no 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 he Maybe goes to stab a woman something? i know for a fact i know for a fact that's a woman hmm. but like i was it's her confused. she's in the gown or whatever no, 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 because you're right. It was it was what happened, but I think she was dreaming that at, it, it, it kind of fades into her dreams and her nightmares, and she can't put her dreams. Dream, yeah. yeah, that was her dream. I see what you're saying. That was her dream. She pictured it being her, but she couldn't put it all together because she doesn't know what happened. So it, it, it might have been just bad filming where you didn't know what was happening at that moment. I, I, I agree with that because it confused the hell out of me you talking about it. And then so, they, like, hold on, this this might have pushed me over into the whole, like the fact that it actually was a dream now, because like yeah, it I was thought, a dream. Oh, this, that was a dream. I, sequence. I thought, oh, this was a dream. This ruined this whole scene. And then I was like, oh no, it was just her seeing in her past life. No, it was a dream movie, that had no like, that great. had no basis in reality for the rest of the dreams or the 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 remembering sequences, the flashbacks in the rest of the movie because it was it was. They, the guy took shortcuts, and he he had he had an idea in his head that he didn't know how to execute. This guy Brana, whatever his name is, he, I I looked at his IMDb, and I was like, I want to like this guy, but he's never really done anything that I really liked. Like he's been a, in movies that were like okay or they were pretty good, but Kevin was right. I had to go. I had to go back and look, and he was right. Yeah, it was supposed to be. I don't even it remember why I was made. I don't. Now, I'm sorry. I'm with yeah. Kevin. This 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 movie's dog shit because that scene is the best part of this entire movie, and it has it, it may or real. may not even happen. Yeah, no, it didn't, no, it didn't happen. happen. It right. couldn't so, have happened because one of the two were dead. 
Well, you don't know was, if that's how the the original scene happened as far as the interview, the, the interrogation with the detective and then walking down and she might be trying, she might have these past memories of what happened there and then it's blending into her nightmares. Yeah, but you can't make excuses for the movie. Right. Well, either way, I missed that part and I enjoyed the movie. <laughs> my my original point was that that he told Andy Garcia that th- this is far from over because he knew he was going to be reincarnated when we were never shown that. We're asked to we're asked to make so many take take Wait, so but- much for granted and and it makes make so many concessions and and accept so much that's not shown to us in this but movie. But also at the end of the movie when he finally when uh, Mike, what's his name? Mike Church goes to see Andy Garcia. Yeah. He says, so what did he say to you in the jail? That was song? the best scene in the whole movie. It was a great that scene. That was the, the worst scene in the oh, whole I movie. Oh, I like that no. scene. Andy I Garcia, that, I didn't want to argue with the, you because I'm arguing every point that in this movie right now. And I know I'm, I'm doing all the talking. And I apologize. But Andy Garcia, which I normally hate, I loved in this movie. I thought I, this, everything he did was terrible. I thought, the, I thought the aesthetics of the old man prosthetics was stupid, but I still liked his character. I, I actually thought that I scene, and I already talked I about it, was probably was the best. The it was the best part of the movie with the with the smoke, and he's smoking through his thing. Give me a cigarette. Regardless, I hated all of that, but regardless, he says to him, what did he say to you in the jail cell? And he says to him, he didn't say anything. He kissed me on the cheek. That so, was in reference so, to the, that was in reference to the question that he specifically asked when he said you still killed your wife, right? And then there was no answer to that. After that, then Kevin uh, Roman Strauss says this is far from over. And the okay. guard heard it. He says the guard wrote that in his book. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, I also want to bring up one last point of shitting on this movie and then you guys could tell me why you liked it. The 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 back and forth between Emma Thompson being the man and 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 um uh Mike Church being the girl like what was the point of that like this is some some just, su- supposed to be some sort of big reveal so this I can explain this part so it was just to confuse you obviously because the whole thing was the with the karma right everyone and you were supposed to have believed up to that point that he killed his wife. So the karma is supposed to be that now in the reincarnate, the wife would then kill the husband. Right. So right. you're supposed to think that, oh, she's the woman and he's the man. So he, she's going to kill him now. Which right? she almost did. But then you find out, oh, no, it's the other way around. He's going to kill her again because she's actually him. Yeah, <laughs> it was, a, it was another that, twist well, to the ending. Yeah. All it is is a cheesy way for misdirection. It didn't have any. It didn't have anything to say that that the change. It was just because they lacked a way to to misdirect confuse you from you, yeah. yeah to confuse you and to misdirect you from what you thought was going to happen. And I, I I argue then at that point the third twist or however many numbers down we are in the twist that the little kid Frankie is the antique shop owner. I was at I was at that point disconnected. I was like I don't give a fuck who the killer is. I just want out of this movie. (laughs) I disagree with that because yeah, you, you did make some good points. There's a lot of holes in the movie. I get it. But I think at that point, the movie actually got a little exciting. I think at that point, the movie all came together and you're like, Oh, this is where everything that we've been watching is coming together and make starts to make sense. But I think Kevin's point isn't that there's holes in the movie. Cause I don't think there's holes. I think his point is that, it's lazy. It's yeah. 
Yes. It, it's mm-hmm. it's it's that they couldn't like they couldn't write themselves out of like the 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 the, the corners they backed themselves into. So they said, oh, let's just put in this huge twist that really doesn't make any sense. It was just uh, crowbarred in. Yeah, lazy is the best way to describe it. Lazy and, and the, the inability to execute the idea that you had in your head, whatever that might have been. Right, agree to disagree. Feel free to argue with me because... All I can say is I, 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 I didn't think it was everything you're saying it was. I'm not saying this movie was phenomenal. I'm not saying it was great. I said I enjoyed it. I actually kind of liked the twist at the end. Like I said, I thought it was a little bit of a uh, usual suspect's end where everything kind of came together at the end. And at that point, I kind of really got sucked in at that one moment. I, I, it, it made me think this was a, a movie worth watching. Will I watch it again? No, but I, I am glad I watched it. I made a note that this movie could have been a 30 minute short. And yeah. I, oh, oh, it, would you know, been, it would have been enjoyable. I agree. All I, needed was, all, I, all, all I needed was Robin Williams, Wayne Knight, and, and the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's all I needed. Hmm. All right, so I know you were trying to defend Andy Garcia because you love him, um, but <laughs> I'm just going to give you a scene where this proves that Andy Garcia is the worst actor that's ever lived. Um, so it's, they're back in the 1940s, and Strauss confronts Garcia because Garcia is like holding his wife's leg or whatever, yeah. and they're arguing, and then Strauss punches Andy Garcia in the face, and he does this big like 360, like, woo, and then falls into the pool, and that's think- why... That's why he sucks. I think that was direction. I think that was this Branagh, Kenneth Branagh, whatever he is. It might have been, but also I. This guy's my actually. this guy's my new arch enemy. This guy, I I despise this man for this movie. Anyway, this movie uh, is not that bad. It's I don't, not that I, think, bad. I, I understand what you're saying, like, but it's not, it's not like the like double impact. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like that was fun. Bad. This yeah. is just bad, bad. This is a waste of time. Bad. It also leads you to wonder know. how this movie reached number two, like how did I, it get its fan base and everything like that. Like I enjoyed it, but where, where do you pull these no name actors and, and get, they're these not no name actors. Emma, Emma Thompson, Robin Williams in this movie. Well, Robin Williams, Andy, Garcia. Was Andy Garcia, Andy Garcia was huge here at this point. Yeah. I mean, as huge as Wayne he Knight, was, Wayne right. Knight's about to go on to do Jurassic Park in two years. <laughs> so that's that's, yeah, that's everybody that's, knew yeah. that. Everyone knew yeah, that everyone was coming. That. So they were like, "This is coming." I'm going. I'm going for Wayne Knight. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's hit some categories. Um, did we even do? Uh, well, I guess we did at by by default. Uh, director and, and actors and actors. Not by default. Right? I went through each piece. I I apologize. <laughs> I went on the twenty minute rant of why I hate this movie. I forgot how we got here. I blacked uh, out. I blacked out. Best. Let's do best role. Eric. Best role. Um, you're gonna hate me. I I thought it was Kenneth Brown. I thought the uh, Roman Strauss, Mike Church. I, I without him, the movie's for shit. I know, and I also chose this specifically because I knew Kevin was gonna say Rob Williams, and I didn't. You know. He, He's a one-tone actor who has a British accent, but couldn't figure out how to do an American or a German accent. So that's his problem. <laughs> What's your best actor, Chris? <laughs> my best act, my best role was just Emma Thompson, just because, you know, she's got the majority of this movie, and she's the only one who knew how to act outside of Robin Williams. All right, my best role is Robin Williams yeah, because I refuse. I refuse to put Robin Williams only because, like you said, he's only in maybe a minute thirty of the movie. Yeah, and he, then he was great, but I knew Kevin was going to pick him. 
my runner up was Wayne Knight and I love I don't care what you say I love his choice of having a lisp in this okay, movie. Okay, cuz I didn't for understand no, it. So that's no, for no reason other than he was bored with the role that he was given. All right, worst role? Chris. Guess who guess. Yeah, guess who my worst role is. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is yeah. by far the worst part of all of the, what's gone false. on. It's false. Andy Garcia is the worst thing in this movie. I, I like drunk Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. I like drunk Andy Garcia going into the party, not know where, where, not knowing where he is or, or what, why I, he's there. I like the idea of that, but I did not like him. <laughs> been anybody else would have been a great part, right? Like, All right, whatever. You could hate Andy Garcia with me. I, I'm mm-hmm. coming. To, I'm coming to his aid at at this moment, though. Well, best scene. So my best scene was the opening from the opening credits to the whole. Then it turned out to be a dream sequence, so it sucked. But the whole black and white opening uh, okay. in the jail cell. Um, first of all, I love I love love news as exposition. And what better way to do news as exposition than newspaper clippings throughout the entire uh, opening credits? I take I, I even take issue with that. It was like ten minutes of opening credits, and I had to read like a like a, a short story about what I, was going on. I loved it. I loved it. Was it. Way it was way too long. It was way too, too long. long. It was good, but it, uh, it maybe, was too long. Maybe maybe shorten it a little bit, but I I loved it. Eric, what's your best scene? I like the scene where um, Mike's questioning old Gary Baker, which is Andy Garcia, where he's smoking out of his trach tube. And and throughout the whole movie, everybody's telling Andy Garcia, you got to stop smoking. You got to stop smoking. So here it is, a culmination. He's in a home. He, he's on death door. And yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's smoking a cigarette through his smoking tube. Um, and, and, and then, like I said, that scene is where you get everything unraveling. You get the usual suspect moment where everything ties together and you realize that the kid was the murderer and the kid is the owner of the antique store who's been the hip, hypnotist. And, and he's, a you know, in, this is all his main big scheme. So I thought that scene was good. And, and that really was actually the scene that I think got me to actually enjoy the movie. Well, if if you like this movie, I could definitely see how that was your best scene. So that makes sense. My best scene is the first interaction with Robin Williams, where he's going ape shit on screen, so to speak. He's cursing. He's super angry, and he's got the best line. And he calls the guy Ken- Kenneth Branagh, Romans, not uh, Mike Church at the time. He calls him Thumb Dick, which I thought was amazing. I lost my mind when he said that. So. Yeah, that that scene, and then the subsequent Robin Williams scenes, and then secondary to that, the Wayne Knight scenes. Other than that, I didn't want to see this movie. Chris, I liked, we'll, I liked, I liked the part where Robin Williams tells him he's like, she's six. What do I do? It's karma. Do her, do her. <laughs> yeah, and he got the bard for having Don't sex with all his uh, all his patients. It was it was so out of character for Robin Williams. He was like a downtrodden guy. He was a flawed person. He wasn't like the hero. He wasn't the savior. He wasn't the, you know, the dad figure. It was, it was anti Robin Williams, this role. I agree. A lot of part of the movie, but you know, he was just, he was, uh, what's the word? Uh, vulgar as you would ever want Robin Williams. So he was perfect. Yes. Um, worst role, Chris. I did worse role. Worst scene. Worst scene. Worst scene. Sorry, apologies. Oh, worst scene, scene is is Eric's best scene. What the smoking I scene? Had, I thought you had the two worst actors, right, performing together, uh, with terrible makeup, with a stupid. There's no reason to have this guy 
pull out a cigarette and blow smoke out of his throat hole. It does nothing for me except piss me off. Yeah, but why? Who cares? Um, Hold on, I had had another point. The fact that you hate Garcia? Also, when he reveals the fact that, oh yeah, they came back and they they opened up a uh, an antique shop. What? Wait, why? Why the fuck would this mother and son leave, flee to England, right, to go and like, I guess, escape where this her son murdered someone, only to come back to the like down the same block exact town from yeah. where he <laughs> murdered this woman and possibly risk this whole scenario. I believe they actually explained that because he believed in reincarnation and he was afraid of the comeuppance and he had to close yeah. all ties that they actually discussed that. Right. Oh, that, okay. may, so, that might, so, that so, might be true. Yeah, that probably is true. So I take a, that back, but so I no fuck, fuck Andy Garcia. A, a semblance <laughs> of coherence. Um, my worst scene is when Mike church gets livid at uh, Emma Thompson's character because she's like suddenly afraid of him because of all the things that they've learned. First off, they just learned that karma is like a real thing and reincarnation's a real thing. And then uh, Mike Church, which is Kenneth Branagh's second character, doesn't understand why Emma Thompson's second character is like suddenly afraid that he might kill her. And he's dragging her through the house, pulling out every pair of scissors that he owns and screaming and cursing at her. Like I was like, Bro, what's wrong with you? Like, you don't understand. First off, you met the girl like two days ago. You virtually held her hostage in your house. I I seemingly had sex with her at some point in time. And now she wants to get out. And all you're going to do is scare the ever-loving shit out of her with your lack of compassion. Like, Totally agree with you, actually. that's That was my worst scene, too. She's crying the whole time. And they're alluding to the fact that he's in love with her. And he's falling in love with her, and he just goes apeshit, hands her every scissor in the house, every knife in the house, his gun. And he's like, if you don't trust me, kill me, shoot me, whatever. That scene was just for shit. Yeah, but yeah. also he didn't have the the acting chops to pull that scene off either. Like he just like even if that scene was gonna work, it wasn't gonna be him that was gonna pull it off. He he that, doesn't. That's he, a good point. He, he lacks the emotion that was necessary. Only he yeah. had an unusual amount of scissors in his apartment. he's like oh i got scissor over here and a scissor over there like most people have one scissor in the house if they could find it he's got a two-bedroom apartment with like 30 pairs of scissors (laughs) i feel like this movie was like made for tv that's that's really what this movie was and i will agree with kevin he said if it was a shorter movie or or a short movie it would have been a better movie and and i totally agree with that because i think there was a lot of good points in this movie that just he just couldn't pull off I, i get that Quotable lines. I have I have two. I'll save mine for last. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. I have a Robin Williams quote where he, this is when uh, Mike Church first meets uh, Robin Williams' character and he's trying to tell him like, oh yeah, I got money for you, whatever. And then he brings up um, Myron and he's like, so uh, he says something about Myron like laying. He's a plumber. He's a plumber. Yeah, he's yeah, a plumber. We all have the same line. Yeah, he's like, nah, My- Myron was impotent. Imagine that, a man who lays pipe for a living. Can't get it up at home. <laughs> that's my. Say, that's yeah. it. I was the only Does one. Does anyone I have to... another? Nope. I. I only. The only other thing I have is Robin Williams calling the other guy a thumb dick. He said, dick. "Listen, thumb dick." Best lies of the it. movie, people. That's it. Um, right. anything else to add? No. No, I just think you're, I, Kevin. I think you were way too hard on this movie, and Eric, I think you were way too accepting of this movie. <laughs> 
That's how I feel. I, like I said, I was torn. Like I wanted to enjoy it. I, I gotta be honest. What really sold me on this movie was that opening scene. And like the fact that now that I know for a fact, it was a dream kind of ruins the rest of the movie for me. But that's, I was like holding on to that one scene. I was waiting for that scene to come back right, and it never right. did. Coming in at number one, Doc Hollywood earning $54.7 million. Okay, okay, question. Beverly Hills, the most beautiful woman in the world, plastic surgery, what do these three things have in common? Me in less than a week. Oh, oh my God. I think I can fix that. We want to hear all about California. I heard that the women out there have their chests enlarged, their thighs vacuumed and barfed on purpose. We are prepared to offer you a permanent position as medical practitioner supreme here in the greater, greater metropolitan area and squash capital of the South. Will all in favor say aye? Aye. I'm in the twilight zone. I just on my way to Beverly Hills. Plastic surgery. Not that you need any. I suspect your version of romance is whatever will separate me from my panties. What I'm talking about is dinner. Wear a dress. Panties are optional. Don't you have some kind of urgent business thousands of miles away from here, doctor? He was a man with big plans, but he never planned on her. Michael J. Fox. Morning, Doc. That's a nice pig you got there. Yeah, that's what they tell me. Julie Warner. You can blink now. Woody Harrelson. I could have gone to med school. Just the science part of it I had a problem with. And Bridget Fonda. Do doctors know more about sex? Doc Hollywood. All right, so... We got Michael J. Fox. Thank God we have somebody who could act again on screen that wants to go to Hollywood to be a cosmetic surgeon because he's been spending 18 hour days in the ER in the hospital and he finds no glamour in it. So he wants to fuck off to Hollywood so he could do cosmetic surgery, make a shit ton of money and be in L.A. Right. Along the way, the part where he's a cocky piece of shit, too, though. Very cocky oh, piece of shit. It <laughs> has okay. no friends. No, well, everyone hates him because he's a cocky piece of shit. Exactly. Although I, I, I digress because I don't think I'd ever describe Michael J. Fox in any way, shape, or form of being a piece of shit. We're not but describing Michael job, J. Fox. But, we're describing Ben Stone. And he did a wonderful job of portraying a cocky piece of shit. Okay, that's fair. That's a fair point. Don't so get then, penis, oh, kid. <laughs> at any rate, in on his travel to Hollywood, he gets stuck in this small town because he has to swerve off the road because there are women walking their cows. What happens in small towns, bro? All right. And so he, this, this movie Can was... I just, I just want to say like, why do we have to do walking the cows? Like we could have done anything. It didn't have to be small town joke. Also, they were goats? Like, but they were also like Amish, weren't they? Were they like, goats? No, no they, they were, were cows. cows. I'm saying, what do you want? Goats, pigs? It had to no, be something. Said, they have to be walking. Just I, let there I, be a cow. Like, why do I they have to be walking yeah. the cows? <laughs> I, I didn't want. I didn't want a farm animal of any sort. Like, there could have been anything in the road. A fallen tree. Like, why did there have to be women walking cows? Just emphasize the fact like that it's a said, small town small farmer. Town. Come on, dude. This is 
We have to have restraint when we make movies. We can't have. We can't try to cram in every. What's what's another word for trope? It's the only thing that I have. We Dope. can't try and cram in all of those stupid things into one movie. You gotta let yeah, some of them it's go. The Ninety one, bro. 90s. This is the beginning the of the 90s. tropes. The tropes come from these movies. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right anyway go ahead somebody else take the lead please all right so this is directed by michael Catton jones he directed i didn't realize this he directed memphis bell i, yeah. I think we probably spoke yeah. about that back in memphis yeah we bell. did yeah i remember uh memphis bell was like you know it was a fun little movie it was an, an enjoyable movie we watched uh, that so all together was, that was great yeah we did that was in the middle of the pandemic yeah uh starring michael j fox as dr ben stone julie warner plays lou uh she's from tommy boy she was tommy's girlfriend yeah uh, but Bernard Hughes plays Dr. Hogue. He's from He's the also... Lost. Sorry, I apologize. No, go. He's from the Lost Boys, Tron, and he plays the father in Sister Act Two. He's also in Midnight Cowboy. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you got Woody Harrelson who plays Hank, and I don't. I... I just I put in Ede Bird plays Nurse Packer. She's done nothing else, but She's I love Nurse Packer. Yeah. Needed to put her name in there. I want to take for just a. a, a a half a minute and go over some of Woody Harrelson's movies that he's been in. L.A. Story, White Men Can't Jump, Indecent Proposal, The Cowboy Way, Natural Born Killers, Money Train, The People vs. Larry Flint, Thin Red Line, A Scanner Darkly, No Country for Old Men, Zombieland, Hunger Games, The War for the Planet of the Apes, Solo, the three billboards movie, whatever the full title is. Uh, oh, three Midway. billboards is fantastic. Yes, it's a great movie. Midway, and he's the villain in the new Venom movie. This is a fraction of his IMDb. I'm going to go on record in saying somehow, some way, I, 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 I'm unable to love Woody Harrelson as much as he deserves to be loved. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the roles that he plays that he never really plays that endearing type of guy. But he always, like, think about the Hunger Games, just by way of example of a movie that everybody's familiar with. That role that he delivers, you don't love him because you're not supposed to love him, but he does a fantastic job in that role. So I think that's a good point, right? So he's never done an endearing role. He's always just been like, like, a, like, he, he plays a specific type, but it's like, it's like, but it's not a specific type, right? It's like, he, he has that same persona about him in every movie, but it's not always the same character. Like, it's always that like hard nose, like, oh, off this color, is, off, off color. color. I think that's the way to say it. Right. Exactly. And he, he's fantastic at what he does. Uh, he never mes- misses a beat. Um, but I have to say his role in this movie, I just, I found it to be, I thought what he did was fine. I just thought it was an unnecessary role. Okay. All those movies you just mentioned, Kevin, those are all after 91, right? Like, this might have been his breakout this role. Is, I, I don't know I if we could that. say Right that after it, this, well, he did no, White no, Man no. Can't Jump in 92, yeah, and it really snowballed role. after this. But, I mean, this is where he – this movie was number one. I mean, it, he was in this he movie, did. the number one movie. He did – yeah. Well, okay, that's a good point. He did a, a handful of things before this. This is, your, to your point, and it's a very good point, the, the first movie that he's in that, that makes a difference in anything. And then it, right after this, he does White Men Can't Jump. So, That's it. Yo, he did Cheers. He did Cheers, which Cheers was ongoing. Oh, you're right. He's doing long. Cheers actually right as he's doing this movie. You're 100% yes. correct. But he's a small role in Cheers. 
Yeah, he's the weird bartender, which I guess to well, our yeah. point, he's always, you know, he was a weird dude. He was like the country boy in like. I'm saying it wasn't that small a role. Is he a small role? He's no, in all no, he was, episodes. Yeah, no, you're right. It's not a small <laughs> no, it's, role. It's not a small role, but he's definitely like he's he's like not a, a lead. Right. He's a secondary character. Oh, he's like Gunther and uh, Friends. <laughs> right. Exactly. Good point. <laughs> and did you mention right. Robert Blossom? Uh, plays Judge Evans, um, who was just no. getting off of Home Alone, and he's got the exact same oh, that's look. Right, we said he, this too. We he's the shovel guy in Home Alone. All right, so what did we think about this movie? Just your general thoughts. I thought this. I, I thought that this movie was comforting. Is the comforting, best way to endearing? Put it. Every movie that Michael J. Fox does. I mean, he's endearing. It's, it's you, a nice. You, it's a nice watch. It's a right? true like, feel-good movie. I don't think there's one negative person in the whole movie. There's no bad guy. There's nobody that's against anybody. It's just yeah. feel good, move on, and and you know learn a lesson at the end, and that's it. I, I mean, thought so. It surprised me that's a number one in the box office movie because it's not that type of movie. It's not the type of movie that's you know going to be blowing up the box office. It shouldn't be anyway. So what were you going to say, I, Kevin? I think it speaks to Michael J. Fox's star power at that point. Hundred percent. This movie's number one. He just did. Right, he right. did. He did Back to the Future in '85. He just finished filming 80, uh, Back to the Future two in '89, and then he does and uh, three in and 90. three in '90. Right. So this is the culm- Yeah, this is a culmination of a, a monster trilogy. It's Michael J. Fox's yeah. realm right now. So oh, I think overall, that, we all like this movie. It's just, it's not the best movie we've ever seen. And it's it's no. certainly not the worst. It's not even close to the bottom. It's just uh, not a bad movie that, at all. It's a good movie. It's got I good think, parts. It's not, it's not laugh out loud throughout the entire movie. No, either. Not at all. I think that this would be a, a great family movie. Sans the boobs. <laughs> Which solid, that was probably, solid intro. Spoiler alert. That was the worst part of the movie was that whole scene. Yeah, I might agree with you. Yeah. So do we have do we have likable scenes? Yeah, I mean I got so a many. bunch of stuff I can talk about. Um I mean I, we, I really liked in the, Should we go from best scene down to worst scene or what do you want to do? Well, I mean, I want to hit some some points before I get to my actual best scene. I really like the opening, um, not the opening scene, but when he gets to, he's in the car and he's driving cross country or whatever. I like the car he's driving. The music? I like the 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 top down, love the music, felt really 90s, hardcore 90s in the music. So I like that. I like the whole introduction of his character, the way he's walking through the halls and he's just like such a like a dick, but like without being a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just he just knows how good he like, is. He's being cocky. But like you, you're just not going to like him. And then it, it, it fast forwards to him like, oh, yeah, come on. We're all going out with all the guys. And the nurse rejects him. So he's cocky, but like nobody likes him. Right. And then fast forward to the the party quote unquote because they're in the locker room and there's a cake that's like a quarter eaten and it's like all right guys let's go out to dinner and they're like nah yeah. isn't it a single cake person of, of, of isn't it a cake of a butthole i think it's a or it was boobs i don't know i can't tell i think that was saying that he was the butthole and, yeah he was an ass yes okay then <laughs> But I like that whole scene. It, re- it really gets you to understand, like, you're not supposed to like him right now. He's kind of a dick. And right. it worked. He needs to learn a lesson. Yeah. And it's it's hard to view Michael J. Fox as a dick. And I kind of hated the scene at first. And I'm like, no, because you're supposed to dislike him, mm-hmm. even though nobody wants to dislike him. <laughs> so hard, what about when he cra- dislike him? 
What about when he crashes into the fence and then the judge, because he crashes into the judge's fence, and the judge orders him to whatever X amount of hours of community service by being a doctor. Like, I know we're in a small town, but I'm pretty sure you just can't make up laws, guy. <laughs> that was actually one of my best scenes. I, I like that scene a lot because he crashes. He's got the, the chief of police there. He doesn't know it, it's the judge. The mechanic guys show up all at once. He could be flipping out. He could be being an ass the whole time, but he's doing everything right. He's offering, listen, I'll pay for this, whatever you need. You know, it, it shows kind of his can't character. get over the fact. Yeah. He can't get over the fact that, well, I built this fence. Yeah. You, can, you, you can't, can't replace, replace this. this. <laughs> I, I love this I love how like Michael J. Fox is like, he's, you know, he's visually upset because he just got into a car accident. But then the sheriff's like, is that like 67 or 68? Like everybody's so yeah. calm about what just happened except for Michael J. Fox. And the mechanics are <laughs> fucking with him. They're saying, well, where's the engine? He goes, oh, don't yeah. touch my car. Like, I know where the engine is. It actually shows the whole movie. They show how the mechanics know everything they're doing, but they just keep messing with them the whole time like they're dumb, you know, hillbillies. What's right. this? The new Mazda? New Mazda yeah. Porsche. <laughs> I also I I really like the scene where, so Michael J. Fox is doing his uh, community service as the doctor. The kid, the family brings the kid in because they there's something wrong with him. He's having difficulty breathing, and this then Michael J. Scene. Michael J. Um, I won't. That's all right. All it's fine. It. No, do it. It's fine. Well, I was I was just saying that Michael J. Fox. You know, he's like thinks the kid's having some sort of a cardiac issue or whatever. And he screams at the nurse and tells her, I'm the doctor here. You do what I say more or less. I'm paraphrasing. And then she calls Dr. Hogue. Dr. Hogue comes in and now he's the small town doctor where he, well, he knows exactly the, what happened. Right. He, but he yells at him too. He goes, get your fat off, fat ass off your couch and come see your patient. Yeah. Well, that's him and still comes, being cocky doctor. He hasn't, you know, mellowed yeah, out. He hasn't, he hasn't learned his lesson. Exactly. The small yeah, town the hasn't learned comes, them yet. The, do the, <laughs> the doctor comes in and he's like, uh, he knows exactly what happened. He's like, you gave him this? You gave him too much again. He's turning three shades of blue. And he's like, you were in your daddy's chaw again? And it just shows the, the small head, town. Yes. He knows everything that's going on. In yeah, he knows his patients. Right. But right. he cracks the Coke and he yeah, hands out of his pocket. Like, he grabs like, the Coke out of his pocket. That'll be 65 cents. Yes. And then really shuts Michael J. Fox down, who knew everything not but 15 minutes ago, and now he knows nothing. Right. You know what I liked about this movie? The running gag with the pig. <laughs> Everywhere. He, I, I really liked it. Like, first of all, he fixes this guy's toe. I think he would have cut on his toe. That was it. The guy's like, Doc, I brought you this pig because my toe feels so good. <laughs> and I can't pay you, but I got to give you my pig. Immediately, though, the nurse goes, Doc, you need to keep your animal outside. After all, this is a hospital. Like, but he didn't bring <laughs> Seconds the pig after in, being like, handed this pig. I just yeah. handed him the leash. That was it. I love the sassiness of that nurse. No, uh, the nurse is great. She's the best he, sassy nurse. The best sassy nurse I've ever seen. She never but broke I, character the whole movie. She was the same person. Even after he changes and, and he's a better person, the whole movie, she's just like, same person. Yeah. But then he's walking through the town with the pig, and everyone's like, "That's a nice looking pig you got there, Doc." Every single person. <laughs> like, so I heard. <laughs> Once again, small town charm. All right, let's hit some categories because I feel like let's do start with worst role. Eric, who's your worst role? Yeah, I had a tough time picking. I had a this really too, tough time with the worst role. Yeah, man. I, I, 
I you guys aren't it. you guys guys are not gonna like who I picked either. You're gonna pick Woody House. Fox? No, I picked Woody Harrelson, and yeah. it's not Woody Harrelson. He's it's, not it's, the issue. It's, it's just the role. role. I just I just don't understand the character. I, okay. I I don't see how it drives the movie, except for in the end when she's gonna marry him for no reason, and then it gets Michael J. Fox off his ass. Like you, he's the <laughs> okay. endearing, you know what like I mean? southern charm. Like there's a couple of scenes in this movie. Where, I wouldn't no, call him endearing. No, I wouldn't say endearing, he's, but he's a true southern gentleman. Like there's a couple no, scenes. Not. He is though. There's a scene where I would like, agree with that. No matter what happens in this movie, he never gets mad. He gets a little jealous when you know Michael J. Fox is hitting on his girl, but he always treats him with respect. He's he's always there for her. He's always looking out for her. Make sure she gets home and safe. And he's never out of line. Never he out might, of line. He, he is a solid he might, dude. He might be annoying, but he's right. never out of line. He's hundred percent right. solid and trustworthy and cares about her completely. But again, besides him, her deciding to marry him for no reason because she flat out says throughout the whole movie. I don't even think she meant that seriously. I think that was just kind of a jab at, at Michael J. Fox. All right. Well, if that's the case, then his character really served no purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so you eric you are you're in agreement agree, uh, agreement that's not i so eric, I, I honestly didn't have a worse role i couldn't find one man i really couldn't i tried well, that's so what i'm saying like i really mine, dug this one out it's not like i really why, think it was a bad role uh, i don't know what the problem was mine was easily julie warner the the the, the love interest she was annoying on every level every single level you know you're every, not wrong Every time I seen her, she was bothering me. She's a vegan. She uh she knows everything before Michael J. Fox does it. I could see you coming a mile away every time he, but then still interested in him. So yeah, I actually you did, know what what did I, your foresight? What did your foresight have to do with anything then? If you know everything before it happens, but you still fall in love with him, like what what arc did your character have? I actually did write down too that. Like, why does she keep telling him how much she's not interested yet? There she is being falling in love with him. And it's not, and it's not like the whole, like, oh, she's playing hard to get. Like, the she genuinely seemed disinterested. Right. Yeah. But yet she just keeps just letting him tag along. Other than, other than the fact that she was attractive, what was endearing about her character? She had a daughter. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I felt bad because she had a daughter. I, that, that they did. But other than that, I didn't like her as a person. Yeah, no. And she's just so like oh stuck with her views. Like I'm a vegetarian, so I'm gonna hate anybody that Yeah, eats God meat. forbid you have meat. All right, yeah. so anyway, we'll move on. All best right, role. That's a good point. Michael Sorry, J. Fox, best role. Dude. Michael it's J. MJ, Fox, it's, it's, obviously. Michael J. Fox. There's nobody. Okay. And the so I I, I I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. He just can't do wrong. I mean, everything he does, everything he says, even when you know you're supposed to be not liking him in the opening scenes, as Chris said, you have trouble. He everything he does is just endearing. It's his role. It's his. It's him as an actor. It's he's. It's his persona. It's, yeah, it's phenomenal. But yeah. but if you if you're gonna steer away from the obvious, then I have a few like smaller roles that I really enjoyed, like the nurse. Like mm-hmm. I could watch. I could have watched her all day. Just be. Sassy she could have her own movie. Yeah, um, the the mechanics, uh, specifically the black guy. I don't remember his name. Uh, he I love both of them. Yeah, yeah. I love the guy. Great. I love I love the skinny white guy that keeps on speaking German, and he had the 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 other mechanic has has to explain that he had like two years of German class or whatever. 
I just like like Eric had pointed out before, like the the one mechanic was just busting Michael J. Fox's balls the whole time. I like act like he had no idea what he was doing. And meanwhile, he was like this great mechanic, yeah. Yeah. Oh, a great the, a great mechanic, and also a shrewd businessman. Yeah, and and the only <laughs> thing that was stopping them from fixing his car was they couldn't get the part. They could easily fix his car, no problem. And and they yeah. fix it again at the end after it's been absolutely demolished. So, yeah, they they were good. Well, that was that that was the movie showing you that you think we're all shit kicking hicks, and you know right. we're actually pretty intelligent. And what about um the mayor David Ogden? He was phenomenal the whole movie too. Like he was the whole everybody time, did a good yeah. job the whole time. He's just telling Michael J. Fox, giving him praise. He's either. like. Uh, you're gonna fall in love with the map. You're gonna fall in love with this town. You're gonna fall. I just thought every character, they were all just phenomenal. All right. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my best role and then my best scene back to back so I could back up my best role with, with a little bit of facts. So my best role is Woody Harrelson. All right. And this this is the reason why I feel Woody Harrelson, I feel like he was in his own movie, right? And in in a good way, because he was playing this character. And I felt like I was so interested in everything this character had to do. So long story short, best scene is when Hank's waiting for Doc at his house after they the, the Doc and uh, the girl, whatever her name is, Lou, go in the kayak ride and, and Hank thinks that they slept together. So he goes into the house that, that Doc's sleeping at at this point. And he's sitting there drinking whatever he's drinking. And then, you know, Michael J. Fox comes in and he's, you know, thrown off that that Hank is there. And Hank's telling him that I you you really upset me tonight. I know you guys did something. And then uh Michael J. Fox grabs the bat and smashes a bottle or a glass or whatever he smashes. He's like, You want a piece of me? Come on. And then Hank just looks at him, he goes, are you paranoid or something? Like he had no intentions <laughs> of fighting him. He just went there to tell him man to man, like you did me wrong. I'm upset with you sort of thing. I thought that was a great character trait for this person. It might've been, but I, I, still I think agree that the with character that. Character serves no purpose. <laughs> no, I agree with Kevin there. Cause that shows him being a good old Southern boy with, you know, nothing but respect. He came there to tell a man to man that, you know, I didn't appreciate that. I'm not here to throw fist to cuffs, but and tell me, <laughs> and tell me how this changed the storyline. I'm not telling you about Michael J. Fox's progression in any way in the in this movement. Will you tell me how outside of uh, the girl Lou and the doctor, how anybody changed the storyline at all? I think they're all just background noise to the town and the wholesomeness of what's there, and that it's gonna suck them in. And, yeah. And, you, you, Okay, you're reading Chris, too you deep. No, 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 no. I like you, this. I like you're, this. Yeah. You're trying to make a point for a much more in-depth uh intellectual movie that doesn't exist. Right. And I'll go so, into my worst scene, Kev. Well, actually, are you, know, you, call, best, are, you are you calling me intellectual? Thank you. You know, both of you have to do best scenes quickly. Oh. I did you didn't know my best scene. My best scene was the the boy turning blue and the, the coke saving his life. Yes. And Eric? Uh, my best scene, I think, was the the car crash when he hits the 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 fence. It kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. Um, you know, it also sets the tone for like you know Michael J. Fox's character. He crashed his car. He was trying to be apologetic. You meet a bunch of main characters right there, and they're just telling you, you know what? And, and it leads it into the courtroom and, and kind of the whole premise of the movie. But I, I like that scene. I, I like that you chose that scene because it I really like does set the whole tone. You're right. 
you have a well thought out point that I appreciate. And I yes. do like that scene. Wow, Worst scenes? If you chose anything other than them running around pissing in the woods, then you chose wrong. That's my worst scene. All right. Well, I knew you guys were going to say that as the worst scene. I actually am going to say the same scene that Kevin said was the best scene is the worst scene. When Michael J. Fox goes off the chain and starts smashing the lamp with the bat. You want, what do you want? You want to fight me? It made no sense. Like, where did that come from? At no point in this movie did we ever see an aggravated Michael J. Fox. We never saw him be a tough guy. He just like went off the rails there. And I was kind of like thrown off by that. What? 20 seconds it just i'm was, with you it was I'll off I'll character I'll and then woody I'll harrelson steals it by just being calm cool and collected he's like nah you just did me wrong man but i don't want to fight i'll defend i'll defend michael j fox's reaction in that scene because i don't think it's supposed to be like oh that's his character i think it's supposed to be he's just terrified and thinks he's about to get his ass kicked and doesn't know what to, what the fuck else to do yeah, so man. i think yeah a man that, that that clearly has conflicting interests is in your house drinking whiskey and he's waiting for you size. to come home. Like he's a good, you, he's a good old boy from the south, you know. You might have a problem. Like yeah. I, th- I think Michael J. Fox was posturing to not get his ass beat. <laughs> uh, I don't All know. Right. It, it just threw me off. I, I, wanted, didn't, I didn't feel like it, it felt right. I want to go into the the peeing in the, in the wood scene for for just a second. I really need to understand. So, the peeing in the woods was bad enough, right? Why did they have to have a quick five second montage of them playing grab ass with their yeah. pants half or half halfway down their right. their ankles, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, yeah, they're laughing. It's funny that pointing we're well, it's pee over here now next. And and then then did I really need the shot the le- the lingering shot of the urine dripping yes. off the leaves? Like that was the real slap in the face to me. Like yes. the scene was bad enough as it was, but I needed to see the urine dripping off the leaves to really drive the point home. Right. <laughs> <It does seem laughs> yeah. Like they really sorry. pissed everywhere. I agree with you hundred percent on that. Kev. All right. Anyway, I, quotes. I, well, I, oh, wait, hold oh, sorry, on. I, I do want to talk sorry. about that. The other scene that I hated when, uh, when he's having that dream about her walking into the water and stripping as she's like walking in slow motion into the water. And there's yeah. a dream. But then yeah. he goes outside after he wakes up and she comes strolling out of the water butt ass naked. It's just it unnecessary. It's unnecessary. Like the only point of that scene was so that you could see some tits. Yeah. That's it. There was there was no other point, which I guess that's 1990. I don't know. 1991 uh, because there's no there's no internet, so tits are hard to come by. Yeah. Let's give so, him a little something song. I I guess that's what it was, but like also, it doesn't really fit into her character either because her character it seems very like prudish and like off put by this sort of thing, right? And then here she comes strolling out of like, it's, it's your first in, uh, introduction to her. So you're really being shown this person that seems to have like no shame and like um, just letting herself be out there. But then she turns into like this, she's like kind of an introvert like in the sense that like she's so, so focused on this is what's right and that's what's wrong like you would expect this person not to be okay with that does that yeah. make sense i think it kind yeah, of yeah, shows yeah. her personalities being kind of quote-unquote hippie-ish like that stuff doesn't bother her being naked the natural form of things peeing in the woods later on in the movie i i think it alludes to her being kind of like that type of person i don't think it, it really affects like her her standpoint on other things it, it just him this is the second time eric made me rethink my thoughts and change them <laughs> also though like i'll be i'll be the the 
the asshole of the group and say that I really didn't care about a character and what she was about. I found her annoying on almost every level. So, but you had you know, to like got- her, or you had to accept her because she was the, you know, the the the, the second most important person in the movie. All right, let's hit some quotes. Oh, well, let's talk about Woody Harrelson because he was filming, you know, he was in the process of doing Cheers at the time and he threw a little jab at um, Ted, Ted Danson. Danson. There, it's one of the closing I, scenes. They're at the um, the diner and Bridget Fonda. The rest, they're at the restaurant and it's not a diner. They're at a fancy restaurant. In, in oh, right, right. It's posh. And he goes, and she, Bridget Fonda points out, is that a star? And Woody Harrelson says, nah, that's just Ted Danson. So I mean, <laughs> I you know, that. That, that's just, that line. Yeah, it was a great line. Love the line and the clear dig at his Cheers co-star. Exactly, and it might like- be showing Woody Harrelson kind of coming up. Like, all right, I'm out of Cheers. Here I go. Chris, do you have any? Yeah, I, I like when he first gets to the hospital and the nurse shows him to the to the OR room, and he's like, "This is the best you could do." And she just matter of fact looks at him and goes, "No." And walks That's out. Great. I love that scene. <laughs> so simple. <laughs> All right. So I got two. I, I'll do one and see if anybody has any more. <clears throat> From the courtroom scene, Michael J. Fox goes, I am so fucked. And then the, the bailiff or whatever goes, Watch it, Doc. You're in the buckle of the Bible belt. Try saying fudge or something. And Michael J. Fox goes, Fiddlesticks too strong? And the guy replies, Depends. <laughs> <laughs> I, also, I, I have two others. Um, this is Michael J. Fox to Hank. And he goes, she's not that into you, Hank. And Hank replies to her, that's the only roadblock. And then there's a scene in the restaurant where Hank's trying to sell him life insurance. And uh, he goes to Michael J. Fox, uh, you want to buy life insurance or are you just chicken? Which is a great <laughs> nod to Back to the Future because that's what always yeah. gets Michael J. Fox all riled up. He goes, nobody calls me chicken. So yeah. that's why Woody Housen was in this movie, was just to like allude to other actors and movies again <laughs> all right uh the other the other quote i like uh was after the doctor says you know gives the coke to the kid and says that'll be 65 cents he looks at michael j fox and he goes i doubt you know crap from crisco because <laughs> that's a line i've never heard before but i like it <laughs> i like i like when he's negotiating with the um the mechanic comes with the pig he's like Trade the pig for the part. <laughs> the mechanic goes, if you could part with the pig. <laughs> that was a nice little back and forth. Yes, it was good. This this whole movie was like we've said a hundred times. It was enjoyable. It was serviceable. It was, you know, and it's somehow definitely forgettable. worth a watch. And, and yet forgettable. forgettable. Yep. I, I, I know I've seen it. Sorry. I was just saying, because we watched it a, like, what, a week and a half ago together? Yeah, and then I had to rewatch it today, and I'm like, I totally forgot half this stuff happened, and it's same. only been a week and a half. <laughs> yeah, same. same. I know I saw this movie when I was younger, but I didn't recall a single scene. Let's let's give it the rundown quickly. Uh, Doc Hollywood, would we, would we recommend it? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely worth a watch. It's enjoyable. So, I, and I think, I like agree. Kevin said, if you um, if you somehow can fast forward through the um, the boob scene when Boobs. he walks out of the water, I think this is a fantastic family movie. You can watch it with almost any age kid. Yep, I agree. Double double impact. Would we recommend it? No, no, I don't think so. It was almost so bad it's good, but no. You have to maybe be the, a diehard Van Damme fan to to be able to recommend this movie. Maybe the first 15 minutes will have you laughing. At an hour 15, at, excuse me, at an hour and 50, 
minutes. It's uh, unwatchable. When an hour, an hour right. thirty, an hour thirty. It's it's a so bad it's good movie. An hour fifty. It's it's waterboarding. When a Van Damme movie is the longest movie of the month, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And then Dead Again. Would we recommend it? I would recommend it. I I I thought it was enough to hold interest. I know you hated it like more than anything, but I thought it was enough to hold interest. And I and, I mean we ruined the twist though, so you probably don't want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, we should have said Eric? spoiler a long time ago. But well, I think I would. I, I was surprised when I watched this movie, completely and utterly surprised that I enjoyed it because I went into it thinking, well, this is just going to be a quick, you know, garbage movie. I'm going to get through, take some notes and get out of here. And it definitely sucked me in and, and threw me for some twists. So I'd give it a shot for sure. Two things. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we spoil every movie that we review. That's number one. Number two, with Dead Again, go on YouTube. Find all of Robin Williams' clips from this movie. Watch those, and then you don't need to see anything else. All right, coming up next month, September of 1991, the month that I turn 11. We have, uh, in no particular order, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, one of the top-grossing movies. The Fisher King, a real Robin Williams movie that I've never seen before, and I couldn't be more excited to watch this. We also have Necessary Roughness, which is not in the top three. And then we have a movie called Deceived, another Walt Disney obscure film that is in the top three that we will have to watch and I've never seen before. So I haven't seen Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and Forever. And the other two that I have to watch for the podcast will be new watches for me. All right, we got a, another month where I have not seen any of these movies ever before. I saw Freddy's Dead a right. long time ago. I was into those Nightmare on Elm Street movies, but it's been a long time. December of 1991 has the movie Hook in it. Oh, we've that, got, that, that that might have to have its own episode. We might not be able to... It's the end-all, be-all for me and my childhood, this movie. I think and we I all can't agree with that. It. This this might be the whole reason we did this podcast, is this movie. This in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Pretty sure Jurassic we watched Park Hook almost every night we hung out. <laughs> so, all right, gentlemen. It was a long one, but a good one. Always a pleasure, boys. Have a good night. Later. All right, see ya.